Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I practice as an intuitive psychotherapist, and this is one of my favorite hours of the week to be with you as a podcaster. Today is episode number 213, and podcasting has really changed me and my life for the better. I get to have conversations with people I never would have met before, including my guests today. And so it's really important to me that you all enjoy the show, that it's meaningful. I'd love to receive your feedback. And the best way to do that is to go to iTunes where you can rate and review my podcast. And I'd love to get your feedback on what you think about the show And, um, of course, positive ratings help. If there's anyone you'd like to hear me speak with and interview, uh, questions you have, reach out to me, lisa at nolatherapy.com. That is my website. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy.com, N-O-L-A Therapy.com. I was born and raised in New Orleans six years ago. I went out to Los Angeles to expand my life, my consciousness, and I've been dividing my time for six years between both cities. I spend several months in each location. Today, I am back in New Orleans after spending five months in Los Angeles when the pandemic, from when the pandemic started, and it's been a time of, of really deep introspection for me, and I've been getting feedback similar to that from many of my clients. If you're looking for a therapist, I provide sessions through phone, Skype, FaceTime, and Zoom. I have clients all over the world, over 20 years of experience. I am also certified as a thought coach through the Institute for Transformational Thinking. And if you go to nolatherapy.com, you're able to schedule sessions. You're able to access my online class which teaches you 20 psycho-spiritual techniques, hands-on practices that I have used in my own life. You can order my book. It comes out in November. My book is centered around the themes of self-forgiveness and empathy and how we need a lot more of that towards ourselves and directed towards others. It's a self-healing tool. A lot of information is there at NOLA Therapy. And I invite you to join my email list. I send out a newsletter about once a month, sometime a little less frequently, with podcast episodes and guests and just things on my mind, experiences I've been through and how I have grown and healed and changed. And just the mission of this show is to change consciousness one conversation at a time. And... I just want to reach you with that. My guest today is really fits in with the mission of this podcast. Johnny Calloway is going to be with us in just a couple of minutes. He is also a podcast host. His podcast is called Morph Into a New You. And with his guests, they cover themes having to do with mental health, including addiction and recovery, alcoholism, 
bipolar disorder, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and childhood sexual abuse. The credo, so to speak, and mission of Johnny's podcast and his work is centered around if you want to change your life, you have to change your mind about your life. Johnny is also a certified thought coach through the Institute for Transformational Thinking, like I am. I have been on his show. He's a blogger, and he really walks the walk of personal transformation with over three decades, over 30 years of experience as both a participant in 12-step recovery programs and over three decades as a teacher and student of A Course in Miracles, a wonderful guide for your life, principles of living, shifting from fear to love if you don't know about A Course in Miracles. Johnny is also the author of three books centered upon topics of recovery and healing from trauma, abuse, addiction, and the thinking that underlies those issues. The book of his that I just finished reading last night that we're going to be discussing amongst his work and techniques is his memoir autobiography titled Dragons to Butterflies, The Metamorphosis of a Man. And you can find him at johnnycalloway.com. Johnny, welcome. Thank you, Lisa. I'm I'm really excited to be here with you. You're always fun to even just have a conversation with. It's uh it's always very exciting to know that I'm gonna get to have a little time with you. Thank you. I am looking forward to you because we've been collaborating on on your show, on your podcast. I'm gonna have you and Aura Nadrich on in October, the founder. She's the founder of the Institute for Transformational Thinking. And you know, your book, after reading your book, I, I just shared with you privately, I learned so much more about you and that you are a miracle walking and you do have so much to offer our listeners. Where do you want to begin today? <laughs> Where do I want to begin? Well, first, you know, I've been uh, I've been in 12-step recovery since 1984, and I've been in, of course, involved with the Course of Miracles since 1987. Uh, but the, the thing I would say is about, you know, what happened for me. My drug addiction and alcoholism carried me to a place of, utter devastation, uh, desperation. We talk about the gift of desperation. Well, it certainly was a gift for me because the thing that I believe about desperation is it drives you to seeking. And if we, if we aren't driven to a place where we finally decide there's got to be another way, we will hang out in hell forever. Mm. So um, I, I'm grateful that I was driven to the depths that I was driven because it made me seek that much harder. And you sought hard. I mean, the in your in Dragons to Butterflies, it's very um, descriptive. And in the life, first of all, the abuse, the childhood abuse and trauma that you experienced, which fueled your addiction to try to just find peace. Which I think most addictions don't start out that way. The desire is to feel better, to have relief, and you know, then it switches over to something damaging, detrimental, and like you call it the beast, feeding the beast. And it it drives you, it takes you over. And through your book, you articulate just your ups and downs. And um, I just wonder, what, what is it like for you to be where you are today, Johnny? Like sitting where you are and look back and, and look at that roller coaster ride, yet be in this in, new in all, place. In all honesty, sometimes still today, when I look back at from where I'm at today, when I look back, 
to where I came from, I, I'm in I'm in awe most of the yeah. time because it, it's like, you know, a uh, couple of summers ago, because of Dragons to Butterflies, I ended up coming out to Hollywood and uh, getting the pitch Dragons to Butterflies to 14 entertainment companies. And I spent the weekend in the Beverly Hilton uh, and, uh, oh, my God, I stood on the roof and looked at the Hollywood sign and I'm standing there in the suit. And there's a, there was a point in my life when I lived, walked the streets of Sarasota with a size nine blue flip flop and a 10 and a half red one. And I'm standing on that roof looking at the Hollywood sign. I'm thinking, oh my God, how did I get here? And yeah. um, it was a very emotional moment for me. And, you know, even doing what I'm doing with you here today, I mean, that guy that was walking the street in those mixed match uh, flip flops, he never would have dreamed of living the life I live today. And and I'm no CEO of any great big company or anything, but I have a reasonably peaceful life and I, I get to do pretty much what I want to do. And uh, I'm not in, in a constant battle in my mind anymore, which I always was. And, and so, yeah, it can be pretty awe-inspiring to, to look back where I came from, from where I am. Johnny, what you're sharing right now is reminding me of a of a part of your book towards the very end that was really powerful for me to read. And this is my paraphrase because I'm not open to it, is where you were with, um, I believe, a friend or in a meeting. And he said they were, the theme was about secrets. And you kind of blurted out, I don't have any secrets. And his take on it was that, you know, your secret isn't your past and and what you had to make amends for but your secret is what are your hopes and dreams that that you know and that's when i think you started really expressing your desire and you actually started writing because you had wanted to be an author can you talk to us about that difference because it was so powerful to read our secret could be what we have within us that we haven't brought out yet that's positive that's good that's healthy yeah that's really important i'm, I'm so glad you picked up on that because uh, a lot of people kind of miss that uh, in my book. But, the, yeah, the thing is, I, I told everybody all the crap I did, uh, you know, about all the the uh, robberies and all, all that kind of stuff and how many people I had cheated. But I had stopped that for a few years at the time I was in that therapy session. And I had always heard that thing, you're only sick as your secret, and I never bought into it. And so he told one of the one of the people in that group therapy session that uh, uh, you're only sick as your secrets. When he did, I kind of laughed. Yeah. And he looked that's at what me it was. And he, he, yeah. He, he looked at me and he said, uh, what's so funny? I said, cause that's bullshit. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope I can be frank. No, please said, curse. You curse. Yeah. He, he said, what do you mean? I said, cause I don't have any secrets and I'm still sick. Yes. And he said, he, I, he, I swear, he looked like he could have thrown a, a like I just thrown a, a, a bottle of cold water in his face. And he said, you don't have any secrets. I said, no, I don't. And then he got this real puzzled look and he looked at me and he said, you know, I know what your deal is. You tell everybody about all the crap, crap you've done, but you don't tell anybody about who you are today and who you want to be. And he said, what are your dreams? And I think I said to him, that's my business. Yes. And he said, uh, he said, what are your dreams? And you would have thought that all of a sudden I was the most timid, 
bashful person in the world because I kind of whispered, I want to be an author. Mm. And then he got that even more puzzled look on his face and he said, you know what, this is going to sound crazy because at that time I had hair down to the middle, uh, just below my shoulder blades. Actually, yes. A big full beard. And he said, this is going to sound crazy, but he said, I promise you that if you'll cut that hair, shave that beard, and let go of that dumb country boy, country boy image that you like to carry around, you will write. And I've always been the kind of person that if I'm going to go to somebody and pay them to tell me what I need to do, I need to listen. Mm-hmm. So that night, I shaved the beard for the first time in 15 years. Uh, yeah. And... That night, just after shaving the beard, I sat down and wrote. It was at that time it was called The Boy and the Monster. He asked you to. I remember he said he wanted you to write and read it at the next meeting. And you were terrified because you had only written some poems. Wow, you you really paid attention while you were reading. I do. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes, he said. (laughs) He said, and when you come back to group next week, I want you to be able, I want you to, to write something between now and the next group. When you come back next week, I want you to read it to the group. So that night I wrote The Boy and the Monster, which ended up being The Boy and the Dragon, and it ended up being the third chapter of the first version of my first book, Taming the Dragon. And when I read that the next week in, in the group, uh, I could not look. I, I never looked up from what I was reading until I was done. And when I did, uh, there wasn't hardly a dry eye in the house. And uh, there was about eight people that were either crying or smiling real big. Yeah. And I knew at that point that I was going to write uh, more. To me, so, that looks like a big turning point for you in your story, that, that event. Well, and what they did is it, it opened the it opened the door to my true purpose mm-hmm. because I, I I believe today that my my voice, however I use it, uh, whether it's in written form or whether it's in speaking or wherever it is, but my voice and my story are the greatest gift that I've got to give. Uh, so yeah, that opened the door for that though for me in a big way. It was it well, was a big turning point. Yeah, and that part of your book just stood out to me like like electricity going through my body because it really speaks to the the old story we might have. And I feel like this could be important to listeners that especially when there's been things that we feel shame, guilt, shame and guilt around in our lives. And we might feel like, okay, you know, part of the healing is to share those things and and release the shame and the guilt. But then that can become, you know, there's still identification then with the old self, with the old story versus what do you want your new story to be? And it's like it can feel even harder to articulate and speak about, like, I want to be a writer. I want a podcast. I want to teach or be a counselor, a therapist, like those things I think can be harder to put out than the things that we felt shame about because those are familiar. Right, right. It, so it's it's like, easier. To, yeah. Then telling totally the new story. Like I could really relate to that in my own um, past, in my own healing and 
coming from an abusive childhood and feeling at some point comfortable, I can share some of those, you know, stories and at times embellish them to be funny. But it was like I was really kind of downing myself and not presenting the woman that that I want to be. And so it was like I really related to that part of your story where you make the switch. The train switches tracks. Right. And you start living your purpose and speaking it and like just being that person. Right. And, you know, and it's, uh, it's really important. You know, one of the, one of the things that's very important for me is I, I, and I, as far as giving hope to the, to the listener right now, you know, I've really, as far as on the books, I've only got like a 10th grade education. And then I took a GED in a, a reformatory I was in. Uh, but don't let what you think your limitations are be your limitations. Because when people first started telling me I should write a book, I'm like, I've got a 10th grade education. I can't write a book. Uh, And somebody, actually several people told me along the way, they said, you can tell a story. If you can tell a story, you can write a book. Mm. And uh, they just kept telling me that. And finally, and the other thing that was really important to me is I listened to people that I knew were speaking proper English. And I read books. And then I used what I was picking up from those things to help me write. But don't let your limitations be your, what you think your limitations are, be your limitations. You know, and this point that you're making to not allow our limitations to stop us kind of leads into a question I had for you having to do with, I saw in your book, you're, you're writing to us and dealing in your own life with the issues of guilt fear, anger, and shame, guilt that you killed your mother when you were five, fear of your abusive father, anger at at him and others that had victimized you, and then the, the shame that goes along with it for allowing it to happen. And at the same time, you're talking about themes of honesty, forgiveness, gratitude, resilience, love, and trust as a big one, because the household you came from, you didn't learn how to trust um, as some children might have. So I wondered how, and for our listeners, how you shifted from the guilt, fear, anger, and shame to honesty and forgiveness, gratitude, love, and trust. Wow. Uh, And I feel like the whole book is kind of about that, but I saw that as being the overarching transformation that you went through. Well, one of the odd things is I, I grew up with the old cowboys on, on television, the Rifleman, uh, Bonanza, Gunsmoke, all those. And those guys were always honest. And I always want, always, as a small boy, I wanted to be one of the heroes. I wanted to be one of the guys in the white hat. Mm. And I just couldn't make it happen. I, I just, the more I wanted to do good, the worse I did. And, and then at my mother's funeral, one of the things they kept saying about my mom was, well, at least she was honest. And I remember as a five-year-old at that funeral thinking, man, I hope when I, hope when I go, they can say I'm what's honest. Mm. And the truth is, I lied all the time. I, I used to practice lying. Uh, and, but I always wanted to be honest. So when I got to the 12-step programs in 1984, one of the things they really drove home for me was how important it was to be honest. And 
they really had me scared, actually, that if I didn't get totally, totally honest, I was doomed to drink and drug again. Yes. Yeah, I remember that part of your book. And uh, so there was that. And the uh, the thing that I've learned over time is, like, when I started reading The Course of Miracles and studying The Course of Miracles and trying to apply the principles in my life, one of the first uh, attributes of a, a teacher of God is honesty. Mm. And... Uh, it, it basically says the term literally means consistency. And so what that means, and then in the 12 steps, they were teaching me about rigorous honesty, which I didn't understand what that really meant. And uh, for me today, what that means is when my feet and my lips are living the same life. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, because it's so easy to talk a good game. Everybody learns how to talk a good game. What you're talking. So it became very, very important to me to do that. And early on also, as I opened up more and more about the abuses that I endured as a child, the older guys ahead of me in the 12 steps were constantly telling me about uh, how important it was going to be for my recovery and my personal freedom for me to, for me to uh, forgive my dad. And mm -hmm. simultaneously, there were people that as they heard my story with my dad, they were like, why would you want to forgive him? Yeah, and I'm like, absolutely. I, I, yeah, and I'm like, well, you know what? Some of you guys are telling me that I will never be free if I don't, and I want to be free. So yes. uh, the path of forgiveness, and, and Course in Miracles is all about forgiveness. And uh it, it just became very important for me to find that path, and I did. And it, it my, by the time my dad died, he and I were friends. It was beautiful and, to read. You watched TV together like you did it at one point in childhood. And he was able to share in sobriety when he was sober, you know, how proud he was and apologize. It was just beautiful, that end portion of your book. Yeah, but now here's the funny thing, Lisa. Uh, hmm. My dad never got sober. Uh, no, but it was a sober moment. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sober moment. That that was it. But that was a, that was an incredible gift for me. Uh, I was setting up uh, studying a course in miracles because I was teaching a class in uh, Paducah, Kentucky, and I it was, I don't know it was late at night, and I was studying for the class the next night. And he shouted in and said, "Boy, what are you doing in there?" I said, "I'm studying for my class." And he got up and came into the living room. Uh, and he said, son, I don't think I've ever taken the time to tell you how proud I am of the way you've turned your life around. Mm. I'm like, oh, my God. And he said, now, let me back up just a second here. With all the abuses that went on, the things that hurt me the most in my heart was he never told me he loved me unless he was drunk. He never told me he was proud of me. And he never acknowledged all the wrongs that he had done. So this night I'm studying for the class and, and he comes in, he says, I don't think I've ever told you how proud I am of you for the way you turned your life around. And, and then he said, almost like he was in my mind. He said, I don't think I've ever said I love you unless I was drunk. Yeah. And son, I do love you. Oh. And then he turned and he started back to bed and he got to the hallway and he turned and he looked at me and my dad, who was never showed emotion other than anger, had this big old alligator tear rolling down his cheek. 
and he said, and I apologize for not being the father you deserve. And wow. in that moment, everything he ever did was okay. It was like it was instantaneous. Yeah, and, and and it was so authentic and, and so it, it was obvious as I was sitting there, it was obvious that it wasn't uh rehearsed, it wasn't planned, it was a very spontaneous moment for him and which made it even more beautiful for me. Well would a course in miracles call that the holy instance? Yes. 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 Yes, and it was uh, it was just a beautiful moment, and it's all because even sober, it, it, sober in Sarasota, Florida, and and a drug free in Sarasota, Florida, I found another bottom. I, I I ran out of work. I ran out of a place to live. I had no place else to go but to go back to Kentucky. And when I got back to Kentucky, I ended up having to live with him in the same trailer where all the abuses had gone on, and uh, all of that was a gift. Because if I hadn't have been driven back there, and I was literally driven back there, uh, I never would have faced. Uh, I, I told my uh, twelve-step sponsor here in Florida when I was getting ready to go back to Kentucky. He said, "He said, Johnny. He said, I, I'm afraid you're just setting yourself up to drink again." I said, "No." I said, "I understand that." I said, "But the thing is, I have dragons to face, and they're in Kentucky." And I have to go face them on their turf. And uh, that's what I did. Um, and and I ended up with a beautiful relationship with my father as a result of it. You did. And when we come back from the break, I want to, this theme of forgiveness with your father. I have a question for you when we get back having to do with, and of course, some miracles, what helped you in identifying with sameness. So if you just make a mental note of that. I want to come back and ask you something about it in just a few minutes. Okay. Okay, cool. So for those of you listening, life can be overwhelming. And when you feel stress, your body and mind can't focus and your sleep may be interrupted. Focal, F-O-C-L, is a plant-powered wellness company. They have a line of premium hemp CBD products that are combined with natural ingredients like valerian root, purple passion flower, and vitamin B6. They have two formulas. One is for the daytime. It helps you focus and be alert without caffeine. And the second product is for the nighttime to help you fall asleep faster without any grogginess when you wake up. They are gel caps, and I've been using the nighttime product, and I really like the way it acts on the body without grogginess or any kind of, um, you know, feeling like that like you might have with other sleep products. As my listener, Focal is offering you 15% off your first order with code ATT. It stands for All Things Therapy at Focal.com, F-O-C-L.com. Use code ATT for 15% off and try out their plant-powered wellness products for day and night. They even offer you a 60-day money-back guarantee. They want you to love it or pay nothing. That's focal.com, code ATT at checkout for 15% off. 
If you like audiobooks as much as I do, Audible is my sponsor. And as my listener, they will give you a free audiobook download if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. And it's a one month subscription. You can receive your free download and cancel before 30 days is up or keep your subscription and it renews automatically, giving you one book a month. Go check them out if you're not already an Audible subscriber. I really enjoy listening to audiobooks, especially driving around Los Angeles where they can there can be a bit of traffic. So it's audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. So what may interfere with your happiness? Is there something preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect with them in a safe and private online environment. You can begin communicating with your counselor in under 24 hours. It is professional counseling with licensed therapists available in every state You can email them 24 hours a day and you'll get a timely and thoughtful response and you're able to schedule weekly video or phone sessions from the convenience of your home. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. If you are not happy with the person you're working with, you can find another therapist to work with. And it's more affordable than traditional counseling. Financial aid is available to those who qualify, and this is available for you worldwide, wherever you are. Issues of depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, grief, they handle it all. And they are HIPAA compliant and secure. As my listener, they offer you 10% off your first month to try them out at betterhelp.com forward slash A-T-T. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com forward slash A-T-T for all things therapy. Today, I'm with Johnny Calloway. He is a podcaster as well. His show is called Morph Into a New You, author of three books, certified thought coach. So, Johnny, when in your book you're dealing with this, you know, huge issue of forgiving your father, and it seems almost kind of in, in uh, comprehensible and like, how could you even do that? But the point in your book where I felt like I could really connect with forgiveness and I found it super helpful is where you talked about forgiveness from a course in miracles perspective and the line that I'd love for you to share having to do with identifying with our sameness. And you began to look at your life and the ways that you had treated some of your partners and friends in a similar fashion as your father. And though you wouldn't molest a child, you wouldn't take that action. The the way that you had been dishonest and, you know, like you could relate to the wound and then extend true empathy and forgiveness. Can, can you talk to us some about that? You know, Lisa, I was thinking about that while you were doing your commercials, actually. And actually, I think about it a lot because in my mind, the book, my book, Dragons to Butterflies, the metamorphosis of a man, the, the, the most important part of it is my forgiving my dad. Uh, that's where my life really started to open up for me, even though I still went down several several dark trails after that. Uh, but the reason it's, it's the most difficult part of it for me to talk about because, and this is just my own, my, my lingering self-insecurities, uh, is 
uh, some of the path to that is not really what you would call popular thought. Uh, and, right. But A Course in Miracles says uh, your true healing lies in your identifying with your sameness. Now, I say A Course in Miracles says that. I cannot find that in the book today, but I read that while I was studying A Course in Miracles, so I'm just going to give it to A Course in Miracles because it was one of the most important things in my healing process was for me to like, okay, because, and the trick is, at first, we, we, are, so, we are so locked in on identifying with form and, and the physicality of things that I'm like, oh, no way. I, there's nothing about he and I that are alike. There's no way I would do to a child the things that he did to a child. But that's the trickery of the ego to keep us mm. from finding the similarity. Yes. Because I did have similarities with my dad. Very important, very bonding similarity. And that was that fear drove my life. In every area of my life, fear was at the steering wheel. And that was my dad. All of his anger. All of his rage, all of that was because it actually, to me today, demonstrated the level of fear that he was carrying. He was a terrified little boy in a man's mm. body. And his, I, I, I allowed myself to believe that his anger was power. So I was terrified of him. So, but and by looking beyond the form of the wrongdoing, by looking beyond the molestations, the, the having to be there while he was beating on my sister and my grandmother and, and all of the physical abuses. By looking beyond that to the fear that drove that, that's why thought coaching is so important. Looking past the form to the driver of the form, which is the feeling, which comes from a thought. And, and it, my dad grew up in a very terrified environment when he was a child. Mm. I, it, so he carried that out into my life as, as uh, after he had me. And uh, that is where I started finding the sameness that my dad and I is looking at the driver, not results. Of course, in yeah. talks, talks a lot about cause and effect. And again, this is where thought coaching can be so helpful. So if you think of thought as being the cause and then the reaction being the behavior, then if you want to stop the behavior, you've got to change the thought that drives the behavior. Mm -hmm. So when I started looking at the thoughts that my dad and I had in, 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 um, that we related to, to his, his thoughts were all fear-based. Mine were all fear-based. Thoughts may have been different, but, they all came from fear. And when I started looking at that and I started identifying him as just another terrified child like I was, and I, I allowed myself to not personalize the things that he had done to me. That You know, one of the things I've said so many times when I speak is, you know, my dad didn't get up every morning and say, okay, how can I destroy this kid's life? Right, right. My dad got up in the morning and tried like hell to figure out how to escape his demon. Right. And in the process of trying to escape his demon, sometimes I got run over. But it wasn't because he didn't like me. It wasn't because he didn't love me. It was because he was terrified. And sometimes I was in the way. 
and and uh, the other thing I came to realize at one point, or my dad's greatest torment was that he had all this love that he had no idea how to express. Mm-hmm. He, he had no idea how to, because he was terrified of it. Everyone in his life, just like in my life, everyone in his life had hurt him. And so he didn't trust love. And so in the process, the people that he loved never got to really see that love because he was afraid to show it. That I could identify with. That was our sameness. And then on the flip side, the other part of our sameness is that we were both children of God that had a gift to give if we would allow ourselves to give it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. You know, I wondered too, so yeah, you sharing that story and the Course in Miracle principle of identifying with our sameness, it was like an aha moment for me. Also, I wondered, and you developing the ability to trust, that's a big one with with the background you went through. How did that finally kind of come together where you really, cause you had some really great people along the way that, you know, you would sabotage because you weren't fully settling into that life has your back. You can trust others, but then you really made the switch at some point to, to be able to embrace trusting. I was curious how that like happened for you, Johnny, at the deeper levels. That's a, that's a beautiful question. Uh, Thank you. I did not trust anybody at all. And as a matter of fact, somebody showed up in my life when I was out drinking and drugging and said they were my friend or that they were there to help me or any of that. People that told me they loved me were immediately suspect. Mm. Immediately. And what I would do, and it's not like something I'm proud of, it's just a reality. Uh, and I try to be very real. Uh, I would, I would, I would get them before they could get me because my dad had always taught me as a kid, do unto others before they do unto you. Yes, you were. Yes, that was in the earlier part of your book. That kind of echoing through your head and being a driving principle of your life earlier on. It a, yes, it was a major driving principle in my life. And so when somebody said they loved me, they were about to get messed over some way. Uh, and uh, but as far as turning it around. When I went to my first 12-step meeting, December 3rd, 1984, it's like I, it's like somebody shook me up in a bag and just dumped me out and said, okay, let's start over. Um, and because one of the gifts that I got at that, at that very first meeting was uh, I became abundantly aware that my way wasn't working. Mm. And... So I, this gentleman named Ed, uh, I'll just say his whole name, Ed Cooper, became my first 12-step sponsor. And, uh, oh, my God, he <laughs> taught me to trust him by trusting me. Mm, that's beautiful. He would do things. He, he, would, he would give me all kinds of ways that I could have ripped him off all kinds of ways. He would just leave the doors open for me to do whatever I wanted. And in the process of watching him trust me, I learned I could be trustworthy. Mm. And it allowed me to start trusting. He was the first person I ever trusted. 
And somehow or another, intuitively, I knew I could trust him. I knew that what he was doing with me was about trying to help me. I don't, I don't know how I knew that because I never, other people had done that. As you mentioned, I had powerful people in my life that tried to love me and, and that were trustworthy that I didn't trust. Uh, but yeah, Ed was different. Other. Yes, he was a theme in your book. There's several individuals that you were in and out of their lives your whole, like this 30 years that you're talking about. Yeah, Ed was definitely a big figure. He's my business partner today. Mm-hmm. He and I have uh, coffee together every morning, except sometimes Sunday. Uh, and sometimes Saturday we miss. But he is still a major component in my life. And, and the fact that we have been what we both call best friends now for 30, almost 36 years uh, is huge. And it's yeah. funny, we're making a turning point with our business. I'm going to be very open here. Yeah. We're making a turning point with our business where I've been in this position before with other people. And I always ended up on the short end of the deal. So just this morning, we were sitting out here on my porch having coffee, and I said, Ed, I got to tell you, this this place where we're going now, I said, it scares the hell out of me mm. because I've done this before. I said, I, and I want you to know, this is about me. This isn't about anything you've said, anything you've done. This is about me and parts of my past that still haunt me. I said, I, I'm afraid to make this next move because I'm afraid I'll be left in the dust. And he laughed. He said, Johnny, it's been 35 years. <laughs> if I was, if I was going to turn my back on you, it would have been a long time ago. Yeah. And so, but the cool thing is, you know, in order to open up to somebody like that, you have to be able to trust how they will respond. Mm-hmm. And, that's how much I trust him. I know I can be that open with him and that out there with him and that he's going to laugh. Uh, like, are you kidding me? So, yeah. Uh, and not laugh at you, just kind of remind you of this is unconditional. And sometimes we just need that gentle reminder that it's okay. You're right. safe here. Right. And one other thing I want to say, I don't know where we're at with time, but uh, one other thing I want to say about trust. trust one of the other things that I want to say about the trust today, I was uh, coaching someone the other, actually, I guess it's a couple of weeks ago now. And one of the things that's very important to me today about trust is my trust is you really never want people. People are going to do what people do. I trust that. People are going to get afraid and they're going to react funny. They're going to react out of character. They're going to do whatever. Trust issues for me today is about, do I trust the process? Mm. Yeah. So if I trust the process, even if you lie to me, even if you rip me off for some money, the process, I'm still going to be okay. That's such a good point. Trusting the process versus the person. Yeah. And as long as I'm trusting the process, I'm golden. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think that's really important. It, who are you, for me, it's very important. And I think, so, you know, like, who are you putting your trust in? Because people, you know, we can, like, blow around, like, uh, 
piece of grass in the wind and and so, so easily become hurt and disappointed. I know, you know, myself. So definitely to put your trust in yourself and a higher power and, and a stable and a, a place of where you can stay aligned, you know, to weather those those changes and others. I think it just makes life a bit easier to go through each day. Right. Yes. And, and you, you know, knowing that sense of safety that comes from trusting the process really allows me to relax in every moment when I choose to focus on that. Now, don't get me wrong. There's times when I don't focus on that. And I'm sure everybody already knows that uh, just because I'm a human being. There's times when I'm like, oh, my God, is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Right, of course. I know how to walk myself through that today and say, Johnny, this fear that's coming up right now, it's not about right now. There's a, one of the lessons in the Course in Miracles is I see only the past. And when I'm, when I'm allowing myself to do that and, and just uh, live basically still in the past, oh, my God, every other time I've been here, my partner ripped me off or somebody else ripped me off or this happened or that happened, that's not today. That's about my experience with the past. And in order for me to do the things I do today, I mean, sometimes it's mind-boggling for me what all I get to do today. I mean, like you mentioned, I, I've written three books. Yeah. I host a podcast. I am a certified thought coach. I'm a speaker. I, I do whatever I can. And, by the way, I also own an air conditioning company. Yeah. So uh, it, it's like. It's like, wow. No way, yeah, there's no way I could do all that. If I didn't have trust in my life, because what I know still to this day, left alone to drive the bus by myself without the guidance of my higher power, I end up in a ditch. Literally, you ended up in ditches. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> if y'all read this book, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, literally. I wasn't literally. thinking about it literally, but yeah, literally, I ended up in ditches. Yeah. And that was kind of the best part of, of that time in your life. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah. And you know what's really cool, Lisa, is I can think back on those times today when my life was so devastating and so I was so desperate. And I can look back at that, that time and, and do what we just did, laugh out loud. Yeah. I, I can, you know, because they're parts of the story. Uh, there's a thing in, in uh, the 12 and 12 literature uh, the 12 step literature, it says, we do not regret the past and I wish to shut the door on it. Mm. And the thing for me is I don't regret my past. I, and I did some really crazy things and I had some really crazy things done to me, but I don't regret the past, the, the past because all of those things made me who I am today. And the truth is I love who I am today. Absolutely. And the other part that's very important to me because my whole life is about helping others and if i close the door on my past what have i got to help them with yes i can't Johnny, close I, the door on them. yes i want to tell you i love who you are and how can our listeners find you in our conclusion to reach out to get your books you can find everything i do at johnnycalloway.com j-o-h-n-n-i-e C-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y.com. You'll find all my podcasts there. You'll find all my books there. You'll find I have a set of eight greeting cards with my poetry in them and some beautiful art on the front of them. 
and uh, you can find everything there. Uh, also, I have just been approved to be a facilitator of coaching, thought coaching, and I can certify people to become thought coaches. My 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 specialty is addiction, but it's also just as important to me that anybody that might be looking for a thought coach know that I also try to help people with thought coaching deal with bipolar and PTSD because I have yeah. both. Um, and because it, it, it helps me, uh, I know how to stop my thinking before I go down the rabbit hole and change it. And yes. it, it really helps me not get caught up in all these episodes that I can get caught up in. So that's where you can find me as far as everything I do. And I, uh, I just finished a series of podcasts that I'm very grateful for uh, with another guy that's got over 30 years in the 12 step programs. We did a series of, uh, podcasts. Um, on the twelve, the spirituality of the twelve steps, and oh, that's awesome. uh, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a very powerful uh, series of podcasts, and it really help people. You'll hear things on those podcasts about the twelve steps that you'll never hear in the twelve step meeting. So um, that's me, JohnnyCalloway.com. That's where you find me. Well, congratulations on being a thought coach trainer. I love being a thought coach and using the principles in my own life. And I really appreciate you taking your time, Johnny, to spend it with me today. Oh, my God, Lisa. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here. Me too. And I'm going to email you by doing another show with Aura so we can set that up. Okay, great. Okay. Have just the most wonderful afternoon. You too, sweetheart. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Y'all, that concludes my show with Johnny Calloway. Just an awesome man. Powerful story. This book, Dragons to Butterflies, is transformational. I read half of it in one sitting. So I want to wish you a really great end to your week, uh, a good weekend. Reach out to me at nolatherapy.com. Rate this podcast, All Things Therapy, on iTunes. I'm at lisa at nolatherapy.com. Big love to you. Bye-bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.